grew up in Durham, North Carolina. And uh, music was definitely a big part of my childhood. Um, Mostly just like my parents were big music listeners. Um, My mom played a little guitar and piano, but um, she was definitely uh, a lover of music. I went to a very uh, special and unusual tiny little school called Carolina Friends School that is a a Quaker school in the woods, Um, but not usually when you say Quaker school, people think um, like we wore suits and read the Bible a lot, and it was not that. It was like the, the hippie day school version of Quaker school. That school in particular, I think, was really helpful in terms of my musical development because it didn't have a conventional music program, per se. Um, it was very, very open, and, like, the, the music classes were, like, rock band and jazz band and, like, playing Prince songs and stuff like this. And a couple teachers in particular just kind of, like, gave me free reign of uh, the music building there and let me like destroy drums and teach myself how to learn a four track and stuff. Um, when I probably should have been in other classes. So semi irresponsible on their part, but ultimately very helpful for me. I was like obsessed with music from a very young age. Um, and definitely like can remember when I was eight obnoxiously banging stuff on my dad's suitcases and things like that. And like, knowing that in theory I wanted to play drums or some kind of instrument. Actually starting to play happened because at that school um, there was like a little music shack um, with like drums, guitar, bass, like normal rock band instruments. Um, And the teacher's approach to all of that was to just kind of like throw you into it. Um, And he was very patient about just like letting you get on an instrument and just kind of thrash around, even if you didn't know what you're doing. So um, I got to, like, experiment before having lessons or anything with just, like, making whatever noise on guitar and drums and piano. I think once my parents saw that I, that it was, like, actually something I cared about and was going to do seriously, then they got me a what is in hindsight a comically partial drum set (laughs) that was just a a kick drum and a snare drum and two toms and cymbal stands that did not have cymbals on them. (laughs) I would say even from like the very beginning, I always took playing music super seriously. Um, Like even when I was 12 and playing in a horrible punk band, I was like, the person who always wanted to practice for longer or like work harder to make it tighter or whatever. So, um, I think because of that, just like enjoying trying hard at it, um, that naturally ended me up in bands that took themselves kind of seriously, including uh, a band that I played in high school called Vacordia that later morphed into IO. Um, and that was kind of like, that band was the beginning of semi-professional music making, more or less. So we were all a band together in Durham, North Carolina, and then our singer 
went to school in San Francisco and like like something out of a really bad music biopic. Um, he was like playing at an open mic and a A&R person from Sony saw him and thought he was going to be the next big thing. And uh, he told her that he had a band and so he called us all up and, you know, told us that it was all happening and just like in the music biopic, we all like got on the next plane to California and moved out there and um, did that band pretty seriously for a number of years. Uh, did not end up on Sony or several other labels that we were accorded by. Um, but it was a, a good kind of like entry point at a fairly young age into a, a version of being a professional musician. So as part of the big band move to California to make it, um, I also went to school at UC Santa Cruz um, because my parents wanted me to not just move to California to become a rock star, uh, which was a good call on their part. Um, and I studied film at UC Santa Cruz. And so because of being a musician and being friends and classmates with lots of people making films, um, ended up doing music for a lot of student projects while I was there and really, really liking that. I had done a couple like super amateurish things back in North Carolina even, um, and like knew that that was kind of something that I was interested in, but getting to work with people my own age who were making cool progressive things at Santa Cruz, um, definitely got me excited about that as a creative thing. And then it kind of just happened very slowly and accidentally. The band that you and I played in together, Silly and Rail, um, a, a piece of music of ours that we had already recorded got used in a film, and then that person ended up reaching out to us about making music for something else, like composing to, to picture, as they say in the biz. Um, and then like around that same time, a someone that was... Uh, a mutual friend of mine who turns out had actually gone to Santa Cruz as well, although I didn't know him, was making a documentary uh, and kind of knew that I made music that he thought was cool, but like he hadn't made a movie. I hadn't really done a whole film score. Um, so ju just through kind of a lot of little opportunities like that and just saying yes to stuff, even when I didn't necessarily know what I was doing, um, it like gradually has taken shape to be what it is now, which is feeling like I'm almost a real film composer. I think in my case, it, it I just got lucky that it happened very organically, just through word of mouth, you know, friend tells a friend tells a friend kind of thing. Um, and I also think because uh, for a number of years, in addition to doing film scoring, I was like, playing in bands and being a session musician and like a hired gun for live stuff and producing for people. And that naturally just gave me like a, a pretty wide creative network, which made it just easy to rub elbows with people who happen to know someone making a documentary that needs music. The more stuff you do, the more people become aware of you slowly. I mean, I'm certainly uh, still fairly far down the ladder. And I'm also very grateful for the fact that there's anyone out there that 
like has seen something that I've worked on and wants to get in touch because they like the music. So typically for the kinds of things I work on, it's either the producer or the director will get in touch with me. Um, I, I mostly work in documentary still. So it's, it's a pretty small crew of people that are making the creative decisions. And actually, occasionally, the editor will as well, because documentary in particular, the relationship between the editing and the music is really important. So a lot of times, a lot of times a director will have like a general creative vision, but then the editor is the person who has to actually think in detail about the music. So they'll kind of make that call or they'll have people that they like to work with. The The information that I'm given to work with uh, ranges very widely from project to project. My f- favorite is when there's very little information and they just send you a, the movie or the whatever you're working on and say, you know, we like your music, have fun. Um, that doesn't happen very often. You know, a lot of times if it's a longer project like a documentary before you get into specifics about length and things like that, um, there'll be just kind of a general conversation about like mood and instrumentation and kind of like what aspects of the film music can bring to life specifically. So like, for example, the, the project I'm working on currently is a documentary that deals with a lot of pretty intense and sensitive things around mental health and the criminal justice system. And so like a big part of the conversation around the music was trying to, to get it to not make things feel too heavy or melodramatic uh, or like traditional weepy documentary, but to kind of like lift the story up a little bit and normalize some of the more difficult stuff and you know like not make it feel like this is like a sad depressing slog of a movie so and I'd say that's kind of like a typical conversation about the music is um more on the abstract end at first um and then inevitably as you get further into it then it does often get very specific like we want music to come in at this exact shot and then it needs to taper a little bit here and then it needs to you know dip out by this point sometimes i send one thing over and it's perfect um or sometimes like this current project we're now after many months at the point of like there's one piano note at this exact second that makes everything feel too melancholy so can you change that note (laughs) even though it does sometimes drive me crazy. One of the things that's really fun about doing this as a career is like, it gives me an opportunity to kind of constantly refresh my perspective on music making and what music can do and how people hear music. So instead of just kind of being stuck in my own perspective, I am kind of forced to create from the perspective of like, well, this director always thinks pianos sound sad. So how can I, you know, make music as though that's the case. So in terms of the process of translating uh, sort of vague descriptors like um, upbeat but not too upbeat 
uh, into actual music, which is like the the bulk of the work is like that nebulous process. Um, part of it to me is just about upfront trying to get a, a sense through what music they're placing as temp music or what music of mine they've responded to from previous projects or whatever, like trying to kind of like decode whoever I'm working for's perspective as a listener into uh, what's actually happening musically. So looking for some kind of common ground around the things that they consider upbeat, for example. Um, Yeah, so initially it's kind of like a little bit of detective work or something, usually focused around the director or editor or producer or whoever is kind of steering the musical conversations, just so I can understand, like, that they always think pianos are sad or, or, you know, that they really respond to melody and don't care about rhythm or, like, that anytime something has drums, they think it's exciting. Everyone who listens to music, we all have those things, you know, like, there are certain chord progressions that always make me feel sad. So yeah, that's kind of step one. And then in terms of translating it into actual musical ideas, I usually start like more with instrumentation and tone and sound and stuff. Um, I think because even though I now have sort of gradually put together theoretical knowledge and like more technical understanding of music, my, you know, my starting place in terms of playing and writing and stuff is very much like self-taught. So I like the stuff that I tend to like the most is when I'm thinking more about like the the overall feeling I want to evoke and picking sounds and instruments based on that. And then I'll just play to the movie. Uh, and it sounds very uh, woo-woo, but um, usually the things that are the best are the things that I make in that way. Um, but then when stuff's not really happening or if like I keep sending things that aren't working, then I will try to think more technically about chord progressions and harmony and melodic shape. And uh, like with documentaries, especially I, I find that timing and rhythmic phrasing is really important. Um, so there's a lot of kind of nerdy things you can get into about ways to make a montage feel fluid or something like little time signature tricks. And I will say, especially lately, for whatever reason, I am particularly on a kick of geeking out about what keys things are in, which is something that like, I, you know, it'd be hard to argue that it actually consciously makes a difference to most people. But uh, I feel like the more I pay attention to it, the more that I do feel a real difference between something being in D minor versus G minor. It, it's hard to generalize um, how good or bad people are at uh, articulating what they actually want musically because uh, it, it, there's a, a real wide range on that. I would say gen- generally speaking, um, I'm always surprised at... Um, how much people tend to latch on to just one or two specific things about music as as the thing that makes it whatever it is to them, you know, that it's that it's tense or that it's happy or whatever. Um, 
which is like as as someone who's obsessed with music i just i find that fascinating it's not right or wrong um but so it you know it's always educational to see that like you know oh the sound of like guitar with fast delay you think sounds very tense and suspenseful and it doesn't really matter if i'm playing like a children's show melody on it or something so i would say generally speaking um people who are not musicians uh are not great at articulating what they are picking up on um but they you know they still inevitably reveal a lot about what they're responding to over the years of doing this i have learned that unless um unless someone is a musician um it's usually better to keep the conversation away from musical terminology. I always feel bad. Like I feel like people get very self-conscious about not knowing the difference between certain instruments or major or minor or whatever. So there can be a weird power thing that happens with that. And also generally speaking, like if someone's not a musician and they start trying to talk about the hi-hat or something like this, um, usually they're, you know, not understanding it completely the same way if I tried to talk about the specifics of their edit or whatever, I wouldn't really know what to say. So there's generally less confusion if you actually keep things more abstract and more about emotion and energy and things like that, even though that can be funny in its own way too. And you get a lot of like happy, but not too happy, sad, but not too sad. But that's better than, like, can you make it more minor or more major? Especially because I I genuinely like the way that I, the type of music that I like to write and, and the type of things that I work on. It's like usually it's in some kind of shade of gray that's a little more nuanced than just, like, this is sad, so we'll do a really sad minor key string piece. So it gets con- gets confusing to talk to people about like many layers of nebulous ambient guitar sounds and odd percussion and stuff. Making music to picture is when you have um, something that's finished enough that you're like writing and recording al- along with th- the actual content that's going to be in the movie. Um, there's a, a thing called picture lock, which means they're not going to change the editing anymore. Um, ideally, like that's that's the easiest thing to work to because then the it's it's a fixed thing. It's not a moving target in terms of music. Um, but a lot of times, especially with documentary, um, you're kind of working alongside the film as it's being edited and revised and stuff. Um, so in that case, rather than making music to fit a specific scene, when you're not doing that, it's more just like, you know, maybe you get sent a five-hour version of the movie that has everything that could possibly be in it, and then you make just kind of a bunch of general themes, music that fits the, you know, the different people in the movie or a different overarching themes or like 
yeah, working a little more abstractly. Most of the things that I have worked on, they just want one person doing the music. Um, Although I think increasingly that is changing. I feel like that's kind of the old school approach. Um, But I think as people are getting a little bit more adventurous in terms of what they their musical approach to things um you might have a project where say like it's a documentary and so you want some kind of like serious understated score stuff but um if it's about like a dance troupe or something you want like music that is of the style of what they dance to or that feels relevant to that part of the story in which case then you would get you know someone who specializes in that to handle that part of the music. So creatively, sometimes it can be beneficial if there's kind of like a a lot of different places the music needs to go and you might not have the one person who can do all of that. I think in terms of influences for film scoring, um, it's, I think it's a tricky question to answer because, um, I feel like there's a very wide gap between like what I enjoy just if I'm watching a movie and then like the things I actually end up making. So like, I really love a lot of like classic Hollywood pre 1970s movies. And like, I love the music in those. And I don't think I've ever made anything that sounds like Bernard Herman or Alex North or something like that. Um, so it's obviously in there somewhere. It doesn't, it's not like I'm sitting down and I think like, oh, like I should do something like the music from Rebel Without a Cause here. I also, especially the last couple of years, I've been on a big John Cassavetes kick and I love the music in those movies, which is, um, this is kind of like a a very like anti-film composer answer, but it's made by someone who is not even trying to be a film composer. And a lot of times the score is just these like cassette home recordings of them like messing around with ideas in his living room. And then they just kept those as the final score because of being a more or less professional film composer now and so often experiencing things getting like really, really overthought or overworked. There's something about that musical approach that I love because it has that magic of like the very first time you see something and have an idea and like even if it's a little out of tune or you mess it up at the end or whatever like that that might be better than the 14th revision that you do of that idea to make it perfect the money fee negotiation part of it um i am horrible at i don't think anyone in my field loves doing it or like i've never heard someone who has a great system until you're like Mark Mother's Bar or someone like that. Generally speaking, if it's if it's a like a feature length film or like a 20 minute short film or something like that, um, there's a flat fee for the whole project. And then you basically just work on it until it's done. Um, so when a project goes well, that can work out really nicely. Um, you know, if a project ends up being really demanding or it was supposed to be a three month thing and a year and a half later, you're still working on it. That can be kind of a bummer. I have definitely, 
um, horribly underbid myself many times. Um, I think it's just, it's a big learning process, figuring out what's fair. And, and it also, I think it gets easier the more that you work with different people or if, or you work with the same people. So you kind of have a sense like, you know, oh, this person is going to be super easy to work with and I'm going to send over two versions and it'll be great. So this is a fair budget for that. In terms of feelings and creative fulfillment, uh, it, it definitely varies from project to project. Um, you know, t- typically things where someone's approaching me because they love something that I have made previously that was made from a inspired place, um, those can be very creatively fulfilling um, because I'm basically, you know, being hired to make the music that I love to make. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't happen a ton of the time because just like in the pursuit of career stability, I've had the MO of just like saying yes to almost everything just to kind of build up a portfolio and get experience. Um, but then the it's kind of a double-edged sword because then sometimes you're getting recommended to people just because they know that you're like the guy who will do whatever or where people are just looking for a composer, but they don't really care that much about music and they don't necessarily know my work or my perspective. Um, That can be a little bit challenging just in terms of staying engaged emotionally. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a real bummer when that happens, when it starts to feel like it's just a job, but I like happen to have a guitar in my hands or whatever. Um, so it's definitely something I've struggled with. I think especially the more that I've done it and kind of gotten a sense of what I do and don't like in terms of being a, a film composer, you know, I, I can check out a little more when I have the experience of like, you know, either this is not a good fit or I just don't relate to how this person hears music. I feel like I have a relatively thick skin in terms of this stuff, but it still can be a little bit soul crushing to repeatedly have the experience of like spending many hours on something and then having someone just be like, it's too fast. Can you do something else? (laughs) And like you definitely learn how to deal with it and it's still hard to like, cause it's music, at least the way I make music. I have to be engaged on a, you know, on a personal level at a, to a certain degree to make something that's worth hearing. So then you're like going to a vulnerable place in an occupation that um, at the end of the day, you're hired to make someone happy. I definitely have daydream moments of like, maybe I just want to like deliver mail or something. <laughs> where I just have no, no emotional investment. (laughs) Yeah, you get to be outside. It's very like concrete, you know? That's a part that appeals to me too. Like the film scoring stuff so much of the time is like, I can spend 20 minutes on something that someone will love, or I can spend three days on something that they hate. But if I deliver the mail, 
it's, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Either you put mail in someone's mailbox or you didn't. <laughs> Creative professions in particular, it's like not at all what people actually think it is. If we were going to do like a dry look at like what I actually do all day, so much of it is like tempo grids and spreadsheets and just like really boring, meticulous work, file management, uh, like syncing stuff to time code or like they shortened a scene by a second and a half. And so now you have to figure out how to edit everything you've already done so that it still feels fluid. Like that's still creative, but it's not, I don't think anyone who thinks abstractly about like what's cool about being a film composer, they do not think about three hours like zooming in on a million tracks being like, okay, so if I speed this one part up by 0.25%. Although I will say one thing, the one silver lining about like the particular version of film scoring that I do most is that um, like I tend to be working on documentaries that are about something meaningful or important and on a larger level. And so I feel like it's kind of easier for me to stay engaged with that even if the working relationship's difficult or if I'm feeling sensitive or whatever, like at the end of the day, if I'm, you know, making music for something that is designed to like improve people's access to mental health services, you know, like whatever that, that higher purpose of the project is, is usually enough to like keep me going. I am kind of constantly reevaluating the the merits of the hustle versus having a more regular thing prior to covid stuff um in addition to doing film scoring i also did session stuff and played live with people and did sound occasionally and that sort of thing and so i think um and for most of my like capital p professional musical life like the way to make the hustle part work has been to to kind of juggle a number of different things so that when things dry up in one arena, I can kind of shift to something else. Um, and now that I'm, particularly now that I'm focusing mainly just on uh, the scoring stuff, um, it's definitely pretty nerve-wracking, the, the variability of it. And I also feel like it's very feast or famine I have I have yet to find like even a three-month period where like I'm just working a, a comfortable amount per week and making decent money and like still have a life you know so it's always either like I'm working like 10 or 12 hours a day six days a week and I'm absolutely losing my mind or like like I haven't worked for a whole month and I'm freaking out and like looking around my studio to see what I can sell yeah, just because I'm getting older and more boring now, I guess, or something. Uh, I like the idea of just knowing that I'm going to have a weekend or a clear line that I can draw around my work life and the rest of my life. Especially, like, film scoring or, or any of the kind of, like, the versions of professional musician where you're you're ultimately always working for other people, you know? You're at, you're at the mercy of other people's projects and timelines and 
ways of working and all that. Um, and like whether their stuff is going well or succeeding or not, or they're losing funding or, you know, there's just like, you think like, oh, it's cool. I'm just like, I'm working for myself. No one's boss of me, but do you end up just having like a rotating series of many, many little bosses? <laughs> I think to do film scoring work, uh, like first and foremost, you just have to be hugely a music dork um, and just, yeah, be like a, a big listener to a wide range of things and kind of have that passion for just like beyond whatever your specific tastes or favorite things are, being really curious about all the different things that music can do more than any kind of technical training or any of that kind of stuff. Being passionate and nerdy about music is the most important thing. Um, I, I also think being able to be humble and selfless about your creativity is really important. Um, and like genuinely enjoying the process of collaborating with other people. In, in spite of like the things that it's easy to joke about that are challenging about doing this I think like at the end of the day I I do really enjoy and thrive on making music in collaboration with other people and in some kind of larger context or for a larger purpose uh, which I think is really important for being able to do this job like if you're someone who wants to just have someone send you a movie and then you make a bunch of music and then they say you're a genius um, in my experience, that doesn't really exist. You have to love the process and love learning that someone always thinks pianos are sad or whatever. Like, really get a lot of pleasure out of that journey and, and uncovering new things that music can do.